Welcome to the Before 30 Podcast, inspiring conversations about life and work with your host, Auntie Janine and nephew Trey. Welcome to Before 30. This is Auntie Janine. And nephew Trey's in the house. What's up? Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. How's it going? You know what? I feel good. I've been doing a morning, sometimes afternoon, sometimes evening, (laughs) meditation with Oprah and Deepak Chopra called Getting Unstuck. It is free right now. So check it out. It has been so good. Today, I'm a little behind, but I'm on day three. I should Mm -hmm. be on day seven. But I, I like to go back. I use it as a journaling prompt as well. Nice. And so today's meditation was about how to access our limited, unlimited creativity and about staying present and in the now so that we're not focused on yesterday's rejection. It's been pretty powerful. Oh, that's really Very good. Because sometimes our, we, we, stay, we get stuck mm-hmm. because we're trying to compare ourselves to who we used to be in the past. You know, how fast you used to run when now yeah. you're 27. You can't run like you did <laughs> when you were 17. Uh, you know, so all of these, you know, things. So it's it's been good. So I felt pretty good this morning. That's good. Yeah, I think for me, it's been... Um, a lot of connecting. So over the past few days, uh, we've had two friends that have kind of moved from New York. Well, one is already fully moved to Georgia, um, Atlanta, and the other is like going through the home buying process. So I've been having, I've had an opportunity to connect with them, the ones that's moved here. Uh, Sean and I, it was a couple, we went out and we had lunch with them the other day. And then um, the other couple that's transitioning, it was good. We were able to kind of catch up with them when they were down here going through their home search process. So, you know, I got some friends that are moving to the south leaving the north and coming to the south so it's nice trey you are so popular i can only imagine what your life is like do people tell you that you're popular what's your definition you know popular? Popular? How, how you define popularity i oh. i hate i don't this my I hope no one takes us the wrong way, but I always leave a favorable impression when I talk with people. People always remember me. And so, um, you know, my philosophy is just have fun, um, connect. Some people say I'm a charmer, but for me, it's really about making a connection as soon as possible with someone um, Mm -hmm. and they'll remember you. And so it's like, oh, you were the person that we have family who, I was talking with somebody the other day and we both realized, oh, I was shooting a client and she's from South Carolina. And I was like, my whole, my mom's side of the family is from South Carolina. So really just when talking with people, find those connection points and, you know, that's how so I, I think that's what makes you popular. So you, you are charming. You're very charismatic. Um, you have, yeah, you're positive. Yeah. When you're not irritated and irritable. <laughs> Wait, what you speaking from personal experience? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, so um, you know, you are you are so I think people are drawn to that sort of energy. Uh, so you know, and to have a, a man who kind of lights up the room and doesn't appear to have an alternative motive mm. to want something. So I think you have a giving spirit. So I think people are drawn to that. So then they do want to be connected with you. Yeah. But, you know, since today we're talking about rejection, right? the opposite of that, when you have all of this, what happens when you, when people are not interested in it? Ooh, some disinterest. It's tough. 
It's tough. And I, I, I would say before we I even tackle that question is what's your foundation? Because it can really um, like it can be a paradigm shift if you if you go too far in one direction. And so what I mean by one direction is if there is a moment of, you know, you a desire where you want something or you're pursuing something and it doesn't go as planned, there's rejection. It can really um, it can really be devastating at, at its worst, but it can be disappointing as well. So um, I've had numerous experiences with rejection. I know we'll talk about some of that throughout the show, but um, I think it really depends on how you pres- how you perceive situations and and what it is that you really wanted. I'm not going to lie. There are some things I'm like, okay, that wasn't so bad. I didn't need it anyway. But there's some things I really want, really desire that like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm hot. I'm frustrated. It didn't work out. And so yeah. um, I think that's a part of the process. Yeah. They call it the sting of rejection because mm. right? it, it feels like, you know, you've been injured or hurt, um, especially because I think most of the time rejection comes as a surprise. And you think you've prepared, you've done everything that you should. Is it you a surprise? That, yeah, for some people it is. I, like even personal rejection, right? You think, let's say romantic re- rejection. I, I can only imagine like when people who are active on social media, I'm sorry, on these dating apps, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can, I've heard some horror stories and I would think that rejection could be a surprise and very painful and hurtful. You know, you might be setting yourself up for rejection. It still might be a surprise. You know, you don't look like those pictures you posted yeah. and uh, y'all show up and like, you don't look like that. You know, <laughs> who was that woman in the pictures? Who was that man in the picture? That's true. I think so. for me, rejection, I, I've, to me, most of the times, I think it's not a surprise. Because, mm. and, but I think it depends on the situation because most times you're nervous when you're you're pursuing something. There's always this uncertainty. So uh, maybe you're just... But I you can be comes, certain about something and still be rejected. You can still feel a high level of certainty and be rejected. Right, like, and I, think I know in, this I think is in amazing those situations, and nobody it wants it. Yeah. I think in those situations, it can be a surprise when you're certain about something and the rejection comes through. But I think there's, you know, a lot of opportunity, a job, whether you are pursuing someone, you know, romantically or, or whatever the case may be. If you have this level of like uh, apprehension or uncertainty, I feel like that helps um, soften the blow of rejection. That doesn't mean it's still not surprise, but you already had in the back of your mind that, you know, this is there's a level of uncertainty. I don't but know. Then, but you still got all these people. You have people who do walk around with low, low levels of expectation and they have this, this, you know, this negative, these negative inner thoughts all the time. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that track. <laughs> like I'm sitting here thinking that through. I, I don't know because I, I feel like, Like even when I was younger and I had these high stakes negotiations and for interviews, I would be really nervous. Yeah. And I think nerve, I think that's natural to when you're doing an interview or when you are, you have something that's high stakes. Like, I feel like that's a very natural feeling. And so, and you correct me if I'm wrong, when you were in those, uh, when you were in those high stakes situations, you were nervous because. Because I was nervous, not because I wasn't prepared. I think I was just nervous, you know, you, yeah. like you're, you're going to these big companies. 
You're going to these big companies. It's y'all, it's allergy season <laughs> over here. So, you know, we over here, we don't want to sneeze in front of your face. So, oh my you, gosh. If you hear us going in and out, it's we'll want to sneeze all up in the mic, all over the face. But if you go out to YouTube, you'll see exactly what I'm experiencing <laughs> over here. So, you know, I one, I was young, I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. I was interviewing with all these really large companies. And then they weren't just like you walk in and you meet with somebody for one person. I had to remember my stories. I had to be prepared to respond to questions from five or six people Mm -hmm. and look good, walk around the room, make sure I still had lipstick on. And sometimes I had to hold it when I needed to, couldn't leave because I had, you know, they don't even give you bathroom breaks sometimes. (laughs) So those sorts of things. So I think, but, but rejection is tough, no matter, I think where it comes from, or, you know, if it's a job interview, if it's a personal relationship, if it's social, um, if you're trying to even I, even just trying to break into a new network. Right. And it appears that people don't want you. And I think that's what it is. It's so it feels so because it's rejection. Right. It yeah. feels so horrible. Like what? People don't want me. Right. And it can become a theme and a story that you tell yourself that you're not worthy. So I think that's that's when I think about rejection. Like, how, yeah. and I think the big thing is how do we deal with it? Because it's it's inevitable. It is inevitable, and and you know it's real. I think when it's not even just a emotional or or mental response, but there's a physiological response too. I think that comes with rejection. You know, people. You know, your whole body language can change. You know, you can begin to sweat. You can begin like there's a lot of you know, physiological things that can happen with your body. Um, and so it, it, it's, the impact can be truly um, powerful. Yeah. And I think the the thing, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I never start breathing about- hard. Like, like, and that's why I said the thing for me is, it's like, it's nervous. Like, think about it. Like, if you go back to, you know, you've applied for a job or, you know, a, a an acceptance or scholarship or something and you get that email like it's that email that's giving you an update and you don't know whether it's a rejection email or an acceptance email and it's just like your heart just starts pounding and so it's like you know desire and the rejection or the acceptance that may follow like it's a true physiological response your your heart starts getting fast your, your breath starts getting short you open the email and it's a rejection letter you know what happens like how how do you, how do you, what's the next step after that? Yeah, that's true. All of that. But I think, and all of that works from the brain, right? So rejection, mm-hmm. it also serves as this early warning sign and mm. system in your body that alerts you that, okay, danger or something or danger of being ostracized or rejected or not wanted or failure, um, it's coming. So you're right. It is. It's scientific. It's physio, okay. physical, physiological. Mm-hmm. You know, these words, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you. So on all of that. But how does it make us grow? I think that's the question. So, you know, we talk about these negative things that happen, but without rejection, can you grow? No, I don't think so. Um, and I, I can share a, a couple examples. I think the first time I actually had major, so I'm, I'm a, you know, kind of give everybody a lead in, like, I'm a very confident person. There is not much, um, you know, we've talked about on a previous show 
Uh, I definitely consider myself a, a jack of all trades. So I know that I do a lot of things well. I'm not the highest highest performer at all things, but I do a lot of things very well. And my my confidence level is, is pretty high. I don't have a problem in that department. And so I, I applied for a scholarship in college and I was just like, you know, I could do this. I could put this stuff together, make it work, make it sound good, make people fall in love with me. Like I, the charmer, you know, in me. And so what they I, call that? Woo? Woo. Yeah, exactly. The, the ability to persuade and influence. And it was like a $10,000 scholarship. Like this wasn't baby money. Like I needed, like this was a big time scholarship. And I got past the first round. And then the second round, I got rejected. And I was like, that was the first time that I really wanted some. Honestly, I needed it too because I was staying an extra semester in school. And so I needed the money. And I think when we were talking earlier, I think about your attachment to what you are pursuing can can have an impact on how you perceive rejection. Like this wasn't just a desire. It was like, I kind of needed this almost for survival. If not, I was going to have to find the funds from another means. And so that was the first time I experienced rejection. I was like, oh, like there is no plan B. Like it totally shifted my world. I had to think about like, well, now how am I going to pay for my last semester? You know, I had to go get multiple jobs and take out loans and do all of this stuff that I hadn't really planned on because I was banking on like, oh, you can get this. You're qualified. You're going to be able to get this. And so that, that rejection, I really had to do a, a shift in focus and think about, wow, you didn't get it. What is this? I didn't even have time to process of what this means about me. I just had to go on and be like, well, how are you going to uh, feel what this was supposed to replace? So, yeah. 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 yeah when you're trying to win something and you don't, and you, you lose, right? Yeah. Which is part of not being able to get what you want. And it does start to make you reflect. I think in that situation, if someone, those of us who are good at a lot of things, we take preparation for granted. Oh, come on. Yeah, we do. That's I'm real. just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna put a pin in it right there. We take it for granted. But I like the fact that those of us, you know, if you've never done this exercise around, you know, dealing with rejection, one thing that I always tell my clients, even before rejection comes or throughout my, when I'm coaching, providing um, executive coaching is to remember what you're good at. And mm-hmm. in order to remember what you're good at or what you're great at, you got to keep a list and remind yourself. And I think that's one of the things that we don't do enough. We don't celebrate our successes, right. especially people who are just really focused on accomplishment is one achievement after the next. And they just pile them up but they don't take time. So I had a client, she was featured by her company. They got thousands of global employees, hundreds of thousands of global employees. She was featured um, by the company. She was able to do this. And I asked her, I said, well, she was like, she was sharing like, oh, I got all these emails and people telling me what a great job and how much they admire me and blah, blah, blah. But I remember back to when our first coaching session and she was just so down and just had all of these things going on and just a lot of negative thoughts. And I said, you know, what did you do with all of that great feedback that you got from your colleagues all over the world? And she was like, oh, they just sent my email. And I encouraged her to print all of that, Mm. get the article together, uh, including information she sent from the article, pictures, and create a brag book. And she did. She created like a a book. She 
printed all of those, um, all of the emails, even, you know, just made it real pretty. And so she has this thing that she will have for the rest of her life. And I told her, I said, you know, go back to that. Whenever you're starting to feel low, you're starting to feel, you know, defeated, rejected, and remind yourself that if it happened once, it's going to happen again. And that you're still that same person you were. Um, You just had a setback. And I think sometimes we don't do that enough. We don't celebrate our greatness. We don't memorialize it so that we can quickly Mm -hmm. go back to it. And I think another thing, too, is, you know, I'm very big on community. I feel like, you know, sometimes we go through rejection alone. Um, and that that's that's like a whole nother layer of just weight is, you know, yes, you've experienced personal rejection, but now you're going through it alone. And I think if we stay connected with our communities, whether it's, you know, in our personal, professional lives, we have something that we can tap into um, to help us. So there's a lot of people that may have been through the experiences we've been through um, and they can offer either some advice or just some empathy. And so um, I think that's a lot. I know a lot of people that are in the pro- currently in the process of going through the home buying process. And that is just a very stressful time. Offers not being accepted, being outbid, inspection. Like it's a whole process, you know, for anybody who, you know, is, in that process or, you know, think about it in the future. And so having a community of people around you that have been through the process and, you know, can just walk you through or just be there for you just to listen um, can be really helpful and instrumental in helping you kind of deal with feelings of rejection. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a good thing. And I think it's just not your peers. You want to have a good cross section of people of different ages, backgrounds, um, gender, right? So that you do get these perspectives. Because a lot of young women I've talked to recently have gone through some breakups and it's been interesting. It's like, but it hurts. I was like, yeah, but at least it happened now. And they don't, you know, and I get to share with them things that I probably wouldn't, they would never know, like my own breakup stories, right? Because that, that, that is so, that first breakup is, can be really, it can be really tough. Like that first adult breakup, absolutely, especially because you have high expectations. You might even be thinking toward the future and seeing yourself with this person. And so I think it's really important to have people at different ages and generations. Um, One, so that if you're younger, that older generation can impart on you just a little wisdom, not to criticize you, but to let you know that, hey, this happens to a lot of different people. Um, and it's, and people are always surprised. I remember I had a friend, she had a huge breakup. It was unfortunately public, um, but she was overwhelmed by the outpouring of love from women that she, she was like, I had no idea. She was like the number of people who picked up the phone to call her and encourage her and tell her, Hey, I'm there for you. Even like, Hey, we can go find this chick and we can go find this guy. We go, we go come for them. This was able to bring a level of comfort to her when she was feeling she was criticizing herself in the rejection. And so the thing that I want to, you know, make sure that we understand the difference between self-criticism and self-examination when it comes to being when when it comes to um feeling rejection or experiencing rejection in your life because they're very different so you know because you talked about like being able to sit back and examine um your part in that so 
you know, what it, what would that process look like you for you, Trey, to know to distinguish between self-examination and self-criticism when you're experiencing rejection? Well, I think you brought up a good point earlier, and, and it's, it definitely applies to me is people who just are confident and think they're good at a lot of things. It's the lack of preparation. And I think that would be a part, a huge part of my self-examination of saying, was I truly prepared for this? Did I do everything I could have done to be as prepared? Did I do the research? Did I talk to who I need to talk with? And I think part of that would help me maybe feel a little bit more resolved in the decision because it's like, I did my best. I brought my best foot for, and it just didn't work out. So there, there probably could be some peace um, in that final decision. But then I get caught up in this place of, like, if I had just done this differently, or if I, you know, I know there's so many things I could have done that mm-hmm. probably would have maybe improved my chances or just allowed me to be at, at a greater level of peace mm-hmm. that I didn't do. So to, to your point, that self-examination, um, I think it's tied to preparedness for me. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I'm not right. Prepared. It goes into that yes. self. Yeah, right. And that's asking yourself all the right questions. Did you prepare? Um, did you spend enough time researching? So on and so forth. And let's say in personal or social relationships, I think self-examination, one of the questions to ask is, should I have even been in this relationship? Right. Yeah. Because sometimes we think, oh, we instead of when a breakup happens, right, a breakup between us in any sort of personal relationship, friendships, intimate romantic relationships, we tend to go to the self-criticism side, like, oh, I should have been more attentive. I should have done this. Oh, I should have dressed up more. I should have did, you know, whatever these should have, should have been, right? Right. We, We lean into that and we never examine, like, is this the kind of person I really want to be with the rest exactly. of my life? Or you know, am I even should... really ready to be in a relationship? Like, exactly. Yeah. And should these be my friends? Are these the type of people, if I'm looking to have open, loving relationships with people who are kind and thoughtful and creative, but I all my friends sit around and criticize and gossip all the time, the self-examination is when those relationships end or maybe even the midst of them, uh, you were like, wait a minute. I need to self-examine. So the rejection, because I've had people tell me, well, you know, they didn't, they told me that I was, I, this happened to me. Someone didn't want to be my friend. We're adult women, like in our forties. And they say to me, you know, you just act like you, you know, you just always so high and mighty and goody two shoes. What she was really saying is, I want you over here with us criticizing, complaining, and you know, mm, being cruel. Participating in this gossip. Parti- yeah, but that's not the energy that I exude, nor is it the energy I want from people. Now, I can be silly and playful and joke around, but I'm not going to constantly be in a place where I'm with this all this negative energy. I'm up to too much good stuff. So... That's where I think the next part of like in that rejection is don't beat yourself up about the role that you played in it, but also look at what was my responsibilities here. So that's the self-examination. And then the other piece is don't move into self-criticism because we have enough negative thoughts and we don't want to demoralize or demean or demote ourselves in the process. No, and to your point. I, I think you touched on, I think forgiveness has to be a part of this too. So like I had a very similar situation in college, had a group of friends and, you know, I, I make a lot of jokes. I'm pretty, I can be pretty sarcastic. I've toned down a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was just the nature of who I was and the people I was around. And I cracked a lot of jokes and, and was 
pretty sarcastic. And I felt like that was the nature of the, the common mutual friends that we would all crack a lot of jokes. But then, you know, everybody's sensitivity level is different. And so then it got back to me that I'm cracking jokes and I'm not being sensitive, but I'm like, I don't take what you say sensitive and, or personal and I'm being blamed. And I literally got ostracized from a social circle when I was in college. And that thing, it, it shifted like as a truly social person who is an extrovert who gets recharged around being around people like that, that really, um, it did a lot to me. It, it, yeah. If you've ever been, I've never been ostracized. Like, Oh, we're going to call each other and hang out. We're not going to invite you. Like it was, <laughs> it was big. So then um, I had to take some time and I did a lot of self-examination. I said two things. I said, one, forgive yourself. Trey, you may have crossed the, you may have, crossed the line a few times and now you know in other circles and when you're interacting with other people that to be more in tune with with their sensitivity level you can't always mm-hmm. expect for people to you know rise to your level or meet you where you are you have to understand you have to meet them where they are and then second I was like well they can go on with that you know second yeah. I forget myself I was like it wasn't meant to be God gonna bless me with <laughs> so, but some and, and even smaller and mm-hmm. so you know I think that the forgiveness piece is if you did play a role, a part of it, forgive yourself for it because yeah. you'll beat yourself up over it and then move on. Yeah, because some of your friends that I know, they are very sarcastic and very witty, oh, but yeah. not mean-spirited. So, yeah. but I think it all depends. You're right. You have to be, there's some self-awareness has to come because those of us who grew up in families that are sarcastic don't even realize that we are sarcastic until somebody points it out to us. Yes. Because the same thing happened to me. And it wasn't, I didn't really get it until I was dating this guy. And he came home and met my family. We're on the flight back. And he was like, now I see where you get it from. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, he was like, I used to be so irritated with your sarcasm. Like you always took it personally. He was like, but you can't help it. (laughs) Because... He was like, everybody in your family, like oh, yeah. everybody. I oh, was yeah. like, yeah, everybody. And it's funny. I tell people like um, my mom used to tell me I'm real slick. I, I used to literally my punishment. Sometimes my mom would literally backhand me in my mouth. Like she's <laughs> like, you're getting flipped out in the mouth. You get sl-. And so, you know, I knew that I, growing up, like this was a problem I had as a child. Like I, I real slick and I know how to get right under your skin or I know I know how to tell the boundaries with my mouth and my words. So uh-huh. it's something that, you know, as I matured, I realized that you know, to avoid potential situations of like social rejection. Like I had to mature in that regard. And so that was a part of my process. Yeah. And so when you have been rejected, I think one of the things that we want you all to be aware of is that it's okay. Cause sometimes rejection, it definitely causes, it, it is, it, it stings, right. But it's from, it comes growth because if you take time to process your hurt feelings you can be reflective about, you know, like, oh, this is how I feel. They did. They didn't want me in this circle anymore. I have to self-examine myself. Dang, these are real feelings of hurt. I feel yeah. sad. I feel angry or hurt, um, whatever those emotions are, and call those emotions out because then you know what it feels like and, and you can move on from it without constantly creating a story about it. And I think that's, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to process our hurt feelings because we immediately go into the defensive. And once you start creating a story about the hurt, that's defensiveness. 
I, they, and, and, and especially if that story is outward, like they did this, they're not this, I don't need them. Right. So we never get a chance to go into, oh, wait a minute. That kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad about that. And that means this relationship. And sometimes it doesn't give us an opportunity to go back and mend a relationship that's from rejection. And you may never be close again, right? You might have to still respect the boundary or maybe even the wall that has been put up. But at least you've processed your hurt feelings. Absolutely. And, and I think we've talked about this in a recent episode, um, you know, FOMO and, jo- and JOMO. And so... Yeah. For me, that was really instrumental, I think, when, when thinking about uh, rejection. It's kind of that that reframing. So thinking about, yes, I may have missed out on a, a job or a relationship, but think about the joy of missing out. Like, think about now you have time, energy that you can focus in, into something else and, and something that'll bring you happiness. So um, that doesn't mean, like you said, you're not going to have to um, process those real feelings, but once that once that is done, truly think about, well, actually, this is how I can apply myself in this area. I now have this time. I now have this freedom um, to apply to something that makes me happy. So, yeah, I think some of the people that I know that are great at dealing with rejection are people who are in sales and business development. Like salespeople are sometimes the best role models as using simple phrases like next, thank you, on to the next one, right? Because they deal with rejection so much. There's um this guy, I can't think of his name. Oh, Trey, go ahead. I, see oh, well, I was going to say reject, just kind of why you gather your thoughts. Um, rejection, I think, is also tied to putting yourself out there. How comfortable are you putting yourself out there? So, you know, you're, you're on social media, you're building a brand or whatever the case may be. I think rejection can also be tied to how comfortable you are being uncomfortable. And if you are uncomfortable, you know, in certain social settings or putting yourself out there to apply for new jobs, uh, your discomfort level of what, you know, rejection, I think is going to be greater. Yes. So there's a book called The Thousand No's um, and it's written by DJ Cochran and Dan Doherty. Oh, no, I think just DJ Cochran wrote it, but um, it's one of the books and it's really focused on dealing with rejection um, and constantly being told that you can't do it. There's a couple of YouTube videos out there. He, He did some stuff for kids books. But I think the first time I heard that concept was, um, a, a guy in sales and he had a new product and that's what his thing was. He was like, when I get to, you know, a thousand no's, by the time I get to a hundred no's or a thousand no's, I, Hey, I'm good. He was like, I, I can do this. Um, so, you know, sometimes we have to be told no in order to grow. Right. And I think the last thing, not, not the last thing, but when we look at people who we may now deem successful, a lot of them have their own stories. So if there is a, you know, a celebrity or somebody that a mentor, somebody that you feel um, is in a successful position, take the time to understand their story. I think sometimes we, we only see the glitz and the glam and, you know, where they are now. But every person has their own story of rejection yeah. and failure. And so I think it's really important to, to be in community and have conversations with people so that you don't think you're the only person going through it so that you don't you know, isolate yourself and say, it's just me. It's not mm-hmm. just you. Um, no, we've all experienced it. Um, we've all been through that process. And so making sure you're connected um, with those people, because 
that rejection can then turn to inspiration. Yeah. And when you talk with someone, um, that inspiration is, is is critical and it's key to help you continue yeah. to move forward. Yeah, and inspiration is the light, mm-hmm. right? And you get to inspiration through resiliency. And so that's rejection creates that. We talk about the growth. The growth really is in the, the ability to bounce back from it and to keep that rubber band tight. Sometimes, you know, we feel like, oh, I just can't go through nothing else. Can nothing else bad happen to me? And I'm going to tell you, as soon as you say something bad's going to happen. But it's that ability to really bounce back from, you know, rejection, build that resiliency muscle to get to inspiration. And I think those of you who have mentors or older relatives that you are in touch with, or maybe it's a great way to reconnect, is to pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, how did you overcome some of the setbacks in your life? You know, you seem to always continue to be here. And I'm sure you've had some things that have happened that kind of knocked you off your feet. Like, what, what, what were they and how did you bounce back? And you, and I think you introduced a great vulnerability. I think yeah. vulnerability is a, is a big part of um, the rejection process. So being vulnerable to yourself, your feelings, like we've talked about that, but then with mm-hmm. others say, hey, you know, I was pursuing this. It actually didn't work out. Like, you know, I, I just want to talk about it. See if you've had something uh, similar, you've experienced something or do you know someone? And so vulnerability, I think, is a huge part of accepting and not suppressing those feelings, yeah. you know, cause you, you do truly need to say, Hey, you know, disappointment, upset, but also be able to channel that. And I think when you're vulnerable with yourself and others, um, it can help you on that process. Yeah. Being vulnerable is difficult. So y'all Trey telling y'all to be vulnerable. We had to talk about that in another show. Cause that's probably one of the most difficult, you know, being vulnerable and being transparent. It's a muscle. Um, it is, yeah, it's hard. It is very hard to be vulnerable because it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. it is. And, 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 and I think there's a lot of factors. You have to think about who to be vulnerable to, when to be yeah. vulnerable. So like, it, it is, agree, it ain't black yeah. and white. It's not black and white. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in the future. Yeah. Let's let's write that one down, Trey. We're going to talk about the difference. Yeah, vulnerability and transparency. But we want to thank you all for joining us today. Um, If you are dealing with rejection, uh, we want you to be real clear, do some self-examination, but not self-criticize, don't self-criticize, don't go to this place of negativity. If you feel overwhelmed by rejection, we also want you to just create a community um, and tap into your community. And if you feel like there's not a resource there for you, Trey and I believe in therapy. Um, Maybe it is important at this point to get a trained professional to help you work through rejection that you've had in your life. Absolutely. And then, you know, I think in closing, um, if I can bring some positivity, always just remember that, you know, this, this is for your good. It, it, it will, um, it will help strengthen you and just really focus on the future and uh, be inspired by it. So again, thank you for joining us. Uh, stay connected with us. Please connect with us via email at hello at before-30.com. We're also on uh, all major social media platforms. So we really want to connect with you. And remember at, at Before 30, you are a masterpiece and a work in progress. Thank you for listening to the Before 30 podcast. Help us grow by subscribing and commenting on today's show. The Before 30 podcast is owned and operated by Before 30 LLC. Be sure to connect with us on our website at before-30.com and follow and like us at Before 30 on all social media platforms.